Hey everyone, um, do you have life insurance? If not, it's probably something you should be thinking about, because um, it's a really important topic and something people often overlook. But you know, one of the things I found when I went in to get life insurance is I started looking at all the stuff that was covered and how much I was getting charged for life insurance, and it made me start to wonder whether the amount I was paying for my life insurance was subsidising the unhealthy lifestyles of the average person around me. And now there's this really cool insurance broker in America called Health IQ. But if you're one of our American listeners, I definitely reckon you should check out. So Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, like listeners for that paleo show. That includes runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. With the majority of Health IQ customers saving between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, which is amazing. So if you're an American listener, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo. Or mention the promo code PALIO when you talk to a Health IQ agent. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm going to try and pronounce his first name right, because he's just given me a couple of lessons, uh, but it's Fuad Kassab. Um, That's it. Fuad is a legend. Uh, I love what he's doing in the health and wellness space. He was born in Lebanon during the height of the Civil War and grew up on antibiotics and a diet dependent on international aid, heavy and highly refined flour, sugar, and skim milk powder. And became, as a result, became overweight from an early age. In 2001, he moved to Australia, switching from an English literature degree to a degree in software engineering and started working in the technology space. Um, following on from that, he started the first Lebanese food blog as a creative expression for some of his experiments with cooking. In 2011, he was introduced to the insulin hypothesis, which drove him down the path of eating a low-carbohydrate diet. His eating habits were largely clean already, but cutting out grains, legumes, and sugar from the diet due to the carbohydrate load meant that he was basically following a paleo diet without realizing he was paleo. Um, He lost 34 kilos, healed many chronic diseases, and greatly reduced symptoms of his lingering ailments inspired by his new way of eating. He started several pop-up restaurants since then and continues his paleo way of eating to this day. Um, And he's just recently, in the last year or two, has joined Joe Witten, who we will actually be interviewing next week as well, um, on the Quirky Cooking blog, which is amazing and doing some incredible things. So we're going to talk about all of that today, as well as a little bit about uh, some rewilding stuff. Um, So welcome to the show, Fuad. Thanks, Brett. My whole life just flashed before my eyes now. I was like, oh my God, all that. So all these, <laughs> these memories stuff. that you just brought up. I'm feeling very emotional. I need to go and cry at the moment. So maybe give me a few minutes. Oh, it's <laughs> so. such a cool story. Like, it's so <laughs> incredible. Like, even as I was reading, like, I know you, I've spoken to you before, but I didn't actually even realize that the extent of your background, I mean, um, just the stuff about, you know, being in Lebanon and being dependent on international aid. I mean, it, it's such a far cry from you know, my life as a, you know, being so blessed growing up and living in Australia it's it's hard to even imagine coming from that sort of a background so start from the start like tell us a bit about that that background sure. it's an incredible story 
Yeah, man. So, like, um, 1980 was the year I was born, and it was um, really the peak of the civil war. So, um, everything was crazy. People were being killed for being the wrong religion and that kind of stuff. And mm. it was a state of chronic stress in the entire country. So, we didn't have a lot of food because, of course, there was no power. There was no um, ability to sort of get distribute food across the country efficiently, that kind of stuff. So, there was a lot of international aid that was coming through. So we had things like spam and, and ultra heat pasteurized cheese that you put on the shelf and it would live there for like, you know, two years if you left it, it would be mm. fresher than the day you found it. So, so full of preservatives. And then, you know, we had uh, over medication, things like antibiotics that were given to you just if you had like a 38 degree fever because they worried that if you got too sick, you're going to be sent to a hospital. And hospitals were getting bombed at the time. So that's the world I was born into. And my mom, of course, was under medication during that time. So she was getting the antibiotics too, which we know when it affects the microbiome of the mom, it's going to express itself in the child. Um, I wasn't breastfed and adding all these things together. So like you've got the antibiotics, the stress and the poor food. And I, I tell people that if you want, you know, this is the perfect uh, recipe for making someone chronically ill. So if you've got an enemy, just do that to them and you're going to guarantee chronic illness to them. And, and it manifested in me in the form of obesity. And um, that was from a very early age. I was a very, very overweight child and continued through, throughout my teen, teenage years. By the time I was 13, uh, inflammation started showing up in my ears. So I, I got three years worth of antibiotics six months on six months off to treat this really vicious ear infections that i was getting all completely related to the diet i was eating but no one really knew at the time they were just treating the symptoms and that completely messed up my microbiome and uh, later on when i was 17 i started getting systemic acne that started off uh, on the top of my head so like under like in the hair follicles and it spread throughout the rest of my body and the doctors thought that they they could fix that by you know what more antibiotics so <laughs> they thought i had an antibiotic deficiency i think and they kept pumping me full of them i'm still recovering to this day from over medication so like even though i was capable of reversing a lot of the uh, issues that were related to the diet there's a lot of residual stuff that are in my body now that are um, completely medically induced so but but i don't want to jump straight to the healing but i'll just walk through the, the journey a little bit more um, I continued to put on weight and I would yo-yo uh, diet a lot because as an overweight person, you're told that you, know, you put on a lot of weight because you eat too much and you're too lazy and you don't want to move. And that's, you know, that's how I felt, actually. I felt like I, I did want to eat too much and I didn't want to move because I was too tired to do it. And I thought there was something wrong with my character. I'd look at the people around me and, you know, a lot of people, my friends were healthy, but uh, they um, were, you know, eating the same way I was, but they were fine. And I just didn't understand what was going on and I thought there was something wrong with me. So I'd starve myself and I'd force myself to exercise like crazy to lose weight and i would lose weight because of the calorie restriction but then the weight would pile back on and um i came to australia in 2001 to study software engineering as you said i did switch from an english uh, literature degree to come here to do software engineering because that was a an avenue for me to get permanent residency and i did like computers so i thought you know it'd be a good thing to, to study and uh, get into have a good career in it and you know i was dreaming of a like a corporate career and that that kind of stuff and making money which uh now you know i realized that was just such a you know a, a small view of what life could be um and um came out and the doctors here were no different so they were they were giving me more antibiotics to treat the acne and then i developed systemic eczema as well so that was spread throughout my whole body so i've got the acne and the eczema and the overweight issues and um the this yo-yo dieting lifestyle 
then in 2006, you know, five years after being in Australia, I, I would meet people who would know that I'm Lebanese and they'd be surprised of, about what kind of person I am because the Lebanese here, especially in Sydney, had a bad, bad reputation, you know, a lot of uh, violence and drug issues and things like that. And they'd say things to me like, oh, you're not very Lebanese. I'd be like, well, I'm 100% Lebanese, <laughs> you know, like, so I wanted to share uh, with people what it is like to be truly Lebanese and to, to come from that heritage and to share the richness of my culture. So I started that blog in 2006 and then the Herald uh, saw it and they, um, they liked my writing and uh, they asked me to review restaurants for the good food guide with them. So all of a sudden I'm this IT manager during the day at Macquarie Bank and then at night I'm going out uh, reviewing restaurants for the Herald giving chef's hats everywhere. So my <laughs> relationship with, with food just started deepening and deepening and deepening and uh, I started learning a lot of things about sustainability and um, the importance of soil health and um, the uh, dangers of pesticides and all that kind of stuff started coming into my uh, world reality. And uh, I'd heard about these things before, but they never mattered to me. But then when I became so close to them, they started changing the way that I saw the world. So I started cleaning up my diet by going to farmer's markets and things like that. But I was still eating like a lot of sugars and grains and things like that, which my gut just couldn't handle. And I was still putting on weight so much. And by the time I uh, was 31 years old, so 2011, um, I had uh, peaked at 128 kilos. And I had my firstborn daughter, Sarah. She was uh, a year old. And I just couldn't keep up with a one-year-old. My body just physically couldn't do it. And, you know, I really wanted to be able to be a good dad for her. But I just couldn't do it. So I thought I'm going to leave my job because it was causing me a lot of stress. I wasn't satisfied in it. I'm going to take a year off. And during that year starve myself so that I could lose weight at least so I can keep up with my daughter for a few years until she's old enough to look after herself a bit you know and uh, as luck would have it I came across the insulin hypothesis which changed my life and I started eating a low-carb diet but as you said in the intro a low-carb diet um, we, you know, that's focusing on local food ends up being really like a paleo diet. So I was eating vegetables and meat and eggs and seeds and nuts and that kind of stuff. And paleo wasn't a big thing at the time. There weren't many voices talking about it in 2011. So it, it, only, it took another year and a half before people started <laughs> talking seriously about paleo. And um, I would uh, wake up in the morning and have eggs and bacon and avocados and nuts and seeds. And then for lunch, I'd have a steak with butter on top and uh, vegetables sauteed and uh, olive oil and garlic. And then I'd have a handful of nuts for snacks. And then for dinner, I'd have more of the same like the lunch. And I was eating like a king. I was eating so much <laughs> fat. And I thought I, thought I was going to die because of the, all the cholesterol that I was eating. And um, But I had no other choice. Like I, I tried everything else. And I thought, I'm going to give this a try and see how it how it is and if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die really happy this food's awesome <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know i i um as my body switched from burning sugar to burning fat um it just really woke up it woke up to itself and, and the memory of what a human body should feel like and uh i woke up one day after it had made the switch to burning fat and everything was clear like a lifetime fog had been lifted and i started seeing colors more brightly uh, i had more energy i wanted to move everyone was just um, so so much easier to talk to i had i didn't i never had anxiety but i just felt so much more freedom in my character and to be able to interact with from a place of energy with people and i'd get on the scales 
eating like sometimes up to 4,000 calories a day. And the next day I'd get on the scales and I've lost weight. And I thought I was hallucinating <laughs> on butter. You know, I thought that something's gone on there. Like I can't, but I died and gone to it? butter heaven. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, uh, so from there, you know, like, um, I, um, I kept going. I, I was so motivated by the weight loss. I kept going. And then one day I noticed that my skin had cleared up, that the, that the lifelong eczema and acne that I had, that I'd been using steroid creams and antibiotics for, just disappeared. I didn't have it anymore. It, it had gone. <laughs> and, and it blew my mind that such profound healing took place just by changing what I ate because none of the specialists that I'd seen and paid hundreds of dollars per five minutes for to see who always gave me antibiotics, none of them told me that my lifestyle could affect this kind of healing, like could, could promote this kind of healing in my body. They don't have that view of holistic health and the, the relationship between a human being and their food. So um, from there, uh, getting to know how wrong we can be about ourselves and uh, as a society about what we should be putting in our mouths, I started really, really pulling apart all aspects of my life to see what else I could be wrong about. Like, And it just opened me up to become a, a fuller and more whole person. And I'm continuing down the path of that journey now where I'm continuing to explore uh, wildness because I believe wildness is the truest expression of a hum human being and that living in this um, social, socially constructed world where we are told what to believe from a very young age and not allowed to explore our own nature uh, creates this um, alienation from the self and from nature. And then that alienation shows up in very, very uh, different ways in different people. So uh, this kind of um, the societal amnesia that we have about our nature manifest in different diseases in different people but i believe the disease of uh, amnesia is the root cause so then we i'm trying to undo that and to teach people about it about their true origins as human beings and how they can connect with the inner nature and the outer nature oh i love this Fred. i've got so many questions i want to ask you about this but uh, going back a little bit the first one i want to ask you about is starting your blog because i'm kind of fascinated how someone who came from this background uh, in lebanon where you were relying on international aid and such basic food um how do you go from there and i guess not having that that sort of uh history and tradition and um you know not growing up with uh you know a foodie sort of lifestyle you know you, you how did you end up getting to the stage where you were so passionate about food that you wanted to start a blog and share it because it kind of it seems like mm. you may have missed out on some of that uh you know maybe education from your parents and those sort of things because of the situation in your homeland no, no, I'll, I'll zoom in here a little bit and give you a little bit more clarity uh, because it could be confusing. I actually grew up on a traditional diet, but where traditional ingredients had been exchanged for highly refined ingredients. So I was still having, you know, beautiful Lebanese food, but instead of using like ghee, I was using margarine or like, uh, you know, vegetable oils. And there was, uh, instead of using honey, I was using uh, white uh, sugar. Instead of using fresh milk, I was using uh, skim milk powder. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of using traditional grains that were prepared correctly, I was using genetically modified grains or, uh, you know, grains that have been sprayed with pesticides. So the, this is what had happened. All these elements, all these ingredients, the dry staples that were provided to the country actually displaced the traditional additional ingredients that we were able to grow and eat healthfully. Uh, so then, you know, the increases of omega-6s and the refinement of the flowers and the 
additives and the sugars and the preservatives is what caused the issue. But the food in its presentation, the way it presented itself, was still very, very traditional in the way that we ate it and we cooked it. So we still had communal eating. We all ate together. We had a beautiful way of living together like that. But we, uh, the, these ingredients had crept in, kind of like what you hear in the Western A price world, you know, like they, that they, hmm. these calories start displacing the traditional uh, foods in people's diets. And then you start showing up with chronic illness. People start, kids grow up with, you know, teeth that are all crooked and they, they have stunted growth and they have chronic illness from an early age. So that, that, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. I, I get it now. I've got the picture. And so in Lebanon, um, how is that playing out with the, the local population? I mean, what are the rates of you know, obesity and, and chronic disease like in your homeland now? Yeah, massive. So we, I just came back uh, from Lebanon um, in October, and um, there's a huge rate of uh, obesity and uh, cholesterol issues, which are which are showing up. You know, of course, because people are inflamed, so people are being giving, given statins for their cholesterol, which is just such a terrible idea. Um, but um, they, we have a lot of diabetes, uh, a lot of uh, chronic illnesses, um, heart disease, autoimmune is showing up uh, hugely there. Autism is uh, starting to appear more and more. All these things are, are starting to explode there. And that's, you know, epigenetic. Um, accuracy there like we we can predict that with such accuracy that that was going to happen because the entire country uh, was born into this um, you know all these generations are giving birth now they were uh, pretty much my age uh, during the war and they had a similar diet and they had a similar diet of antibiotics as well and over medication so it's definitely showing up with force and um, there's a slow slowly a movement on real food is starting to surface there but Lebanese people are um, very difficult to to educate on food because they're very emotionally atta- uh, attached to it because it was, um, you know, something that saw them through wartime. And, um, you know, when you have uh, pain to numb in your life, you're going to um, oral um, satisfaction is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. So when, so they, they just can't give up the bread. They can't give up um, the sugars because um, they've just been habituated in that way to when when things were bad back in the day when you know we were in a bunker and bombs were falling. You'd reach for the you know the sweet stuff so that you could just feel okay about something at least. You know. Did you know that physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer? And 58% lower risk of diabetes? Well, you probably did, because you're one of my smart listeners on that paleo show. But that's compared to people who are inactive. Don't you think it makes sense, then, that if you're physically active, you should pay less for your life insurance? Health IQ thinks so. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious life. So if you're in the United States, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo. Or mention the promo code PALIO when you talk to a Health IQ agent. It's amazing that, that emotional connection, isn't it? I mean, uh, and I guess it's easy to see how in somewhere like Lebanon that that has occurred and, and how that disconnect has occurred and, and I guess the, you know, the war and how that's driven this change in the food and all those sort of things. But I guess 
it's it's in some ways harder to see how that change has occurred in places like Australia. Um, so, you know, why do you think that same sort of disconnection has occurred somewhere like Australia, where we don't have the same, um, I guess, emotional trauma from the war? We didn't, ha- we haven't had the same, I guess, rationing and, and those sort of things. At least not in you know my lifetime. Um, you know, why do you think that same sort of disconnection is taking place here? Um, I think, um, look, I, I have this uh, hypothesis, which um, I um, I really look through its perspective. I, I feel that people have four different alienations in, in themselves. So one is an alienation to nature, and nature is our original home. And this alienation is the original wound in us that we, we never feel at home anywhere because we live in a, an artificially constructed world and we, we just never will never feel at home in a in you know suburbia or mm. um, you know being shuttled to our work in buses and trains and getting stuck in traffic and that kind of stuff because that's not our uh, that's not the place that we go to so um, traditional cultures live very very close to the land and uh, were in the land and it was their home so if we don't see it that way then there's a, a um, that kind of disconnection there like and then from there this there's this um, alienation from the self so the human being from there just grows up in a world that has be- has programmed them to not really know who they are and they've given them impressions of how, how they should be so they grow up living up to other people's expectations and these are inherited from the attitudes of your society so you're never really free to explore who you are and add to that that you're not actually in your natural habitat so it's very very hard for you to find out who you are and then there's uh, an alienation from others so we we, uh, we are told to believe that human beings are uh, evil and you know we're uh, we like war, we like killing each other, we like uh, ripping each other off and uh, capitalizing off each other's misery and um, we we compete and we uh, climb the corporate ladder and we step on the people underneath us and uh, we don't care about what happens to who and uh, so it creates an aggressiveness and a defensiveness inside us so we we separate ourselves from others and uh, in that attitude then we maybe uh, let go of uh, the wisdom of the elders that we would value and we put our elders in homes where we don't see them except maybe over Christmas and we don't get their wisdom and that doesn't come down to us so we think we know better than the people who came before us and there's an alienation from purpose. So this purpose that we, you know, you and I have found in our life, it took us a while to find it. And um, it, uh, th- this alienation causes um, a lot of grief in us because we just never feel fulfilled because we're not walking our path. And um, take that at a societal level where the society is all exhibiting these alienations. And you can see how easily we can be living in a very, very difficult world. So then that world will um, will create a company that will genetically modify crops and spray them with pesticides and not really care about the soil health and the health of the human beings who are ingesting these foods because profit is being made. Um, they don't care about the sustainability of the soil because they all they care about is immediate profit. They, they're not looking for sustainability over the next 300 years or seven generations down the track. So so this these attitudes become so systemic that they create this uh, world that is extremely, extremely sick. And um, the sickness is um, psychological um, in the in the entire society, and it manifests individually in the symptoms of depression, autoimmune, heart disease, diabetes, uh, cancer. All these things start 
propping up from the, from these alienations. So the, I guess that's my answer there. Does that yeah. does that answer your question? Yeah. I think that's such a cool answer. I, I was just tuning in. I was just listening in then and, and sort of thinking about those answers you just gave because I think they're actually really profound. Uh, I, I've never heard it described that way um, and it just makes so much sense when you do describe it that way. Uh, each of those alienations, as you were, as you were mentioning them, I could, just, I could tell exactly what you were talking about and see so clearly how that's happened in our mm-hmm. society. So, I guess the question then is if we have these four alienations and we want to try and reconnect ourselves, uh, you know, with nature, with ourselves, with others and with our purpose, where do we start? <laughs> you know, like, where, where on that list do you start? Do you start with your purpose? Do you start trying to reconnect with nature? Do you start with yourself? Like, like how do you try and get this back on track? Yeah, I think um, everyone has an entry point. So, um, people will be called to enter this differently. So, uh, a lot of people will experience a midlife crisis, for instance, because they uh, the purpose thing isn't being met. They're feeling that uh, their job isn't satisfactory and that they're, uh, there's some kind of... Uh, time frame that's closing and if they don't act quickly then their life is just going to continue to go down a path that they feel innately isn't right so they start um going to doctors and the doctors will give them antidepressants so that they can numb that pain and they'll never actually face up to uh, the change that's necessary in their life so then if they give into the pain and they allow the pain to inform their life because that's the way that the body speaks to you and that's the way your soul speaks to you through um, different uh, voices and the most heard one is the voice of pain then if we listen in then uh, we we start being able to act out of that place so for me the pain was physical uh, it, it was the, the the disease of my body that drove me down this discovery and I found healing through food and I find healing through food is pr- probably the easiest path because it um, it doesn't um, need any kind of grand philosophical uh, shift in your life. Mm-hmm. It's just basically the way that you start eating living things and life comes into you. And there's an exchange of the vital force. And as the vital for- force comes into you, it starts waking up aspects of the self which have been dormant. And then when the, the awakening to the self takes place, then the um, walking down the path of... Um, removing the alienations that I spoke of becomes more and more more and more clear. And you also have that mental and physical clarity that comes with changing your diet that makes it very easy to look at certain aspects of your life that are being difficult for you and face them with courage and self-respect. So then you can transform yourself truly when the physical body has been given its energy back because um, you you will realize in yourself that you've been abusing your body, uh, that you've been talking to it like like you're kicking a wounded animal all your life, saying things like, you're fat, you're not worthy, why can't you be better, why can't you be strong, I want you to be stronger, I want you to be faster, all that kind of stuff. And it's this kind of abuse that happens between you and your body. But then when you start healing it and you start loving it, then the body starts giving back to you tenfold and then so much transformation takes place within you. That's so cool. Uh, I love that idea and I think people... uh 
you know, I guess people resonate with that because, you know, making the change through food first is something very tangible. You know, it's something you can act on. It's something you can, I guess, quite clearly define how you're going to go about doing it. Whereas, I guess, perhaps, you know, something like reconnecting with yourself is by its very nature a bit more esoteric, a bit harder yeah. to define, and a bit, a bit harder to know how to attack it, how to plan to um, resolve that sort of an issue. Yeah, absolutely, and and my path has been through, as I said, through the food thing, and then um, the the self connection became uh, easy later. I mean, I don't I don't want to use the word easy, but like um, be- <laughs> became a process later. You know, the, the process of knowing myself came to me from that. So I can't tell you what goes on inside another human being and how they will feel. But my invitation is to uh, start loving yourself and nourishing yourself in the yourself in the aspects where you feel that there's a lack, where you feel like you're actually not paying attention to pain in yourself, whether it's spiritual pain or emotional pain or um, or physical pain and you you do it through love and nourishment not through deprivation because yeah. deprivation is the uh the main mindset of the world now like we feel like we we're all living in deprivation whereas there's so much abundance we live we live in a planet that's so abundant with life and there's so much to go around and to share not a single person needs to be sick and hungry and like it, it just doesn't need to be that way and but we're constantly being told that 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 is the case and that there's not enough to go around and it causes so much pain and fear inside us so we have to get over that and start coming from a place of abundance first to ourselves and then it starts going out to others from there yeah i love that i was actually just having this conversation with someone just the other day and we were talking about you know cravings and, and you know things that you crave external to yourself and, and whether that's things that you crave from food whether that's things you crave from other people whether that's things you crave from your work or your life purpose it is really looking at what are those things that you're craving and how can you provide them for yourself you know how can you then nurture yourself in that way so that you're not craving this from external sources you know you can you can receive mm-hmm. it from external sources and you can love that but you don't you know you're not craving it you're not needing it you're just loving yeah. it yeah and uh, it's such a different perspective definitely definitely this like being whole in yourself and allowing uh, beauty to come into your life is is the best way you know so like enjoying your meal out of a place of abundance is very different to enjoying it out of a place of deprivation yeah. so but but back to those kind of cravings things quite often cravings are there to numb what's really going on so like a, a difficult emotion will come up and all of a sudden you feel like you need chocolate you know you and and that's so that you can uh, just look somewhere else and not look at the difficult emotion and process it and deal with it because emotions come to to speak to us to tell us of what's going on and we need to sit with them and be with them Otherwise, they actually entrench themselves into the body and they take up uh, the the shape of trauma within the body and uh, we never release them. We never release the, that kind of trauma in our body. So then imagine being uh, daily numbing down pain and pushing it and pushing it. What's going to happen to you in, in your body and in your spirit? It's very clear. You know, it's very clear what, that would, ha- what would happen yeah. there. Well, and I think the question to ask then is, you know, what is it that I'm craving from the chocolate? Like what is the emotion that I'm craving from that you know am I wanting to feel nourished am I wanting to feel loved am I wanting to feel happy am I you know whatever you've got to try and figure out what it is what's the emotion that you're craving and then how you how you can get that from perhaps a healthier source not that yeah you can make healthy chocolate that's okay too but but, you know but how else can I introduce that into my life as well yeah absolutely and and also important to look at what is it if it's trying to hide something 
if it's trying to mask something, what am I trying to mask there? So yeah. not only am I seeking happiness, but am I seeking not to feel sadness? Am I fe- seeking not to feel anger? Am I seeking not to feel the pain that's present? So, you know, we have to look at the flip side as well because those negative emotions, we're told never to look at them. So like we're taught not to cry mm. from an early age, especially men. Uh, we're told to sort of um, uh, be strong and get over our fears and things like that. And quite often, like I know in myself, when I used to feel afraid, I would look somewhere else. I wouldn't actually look at the shape of the fear. And that gave me a fear of fear, you know. And um, I think, uh, who was it? Was JFK who said, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And um, this ability to look at fear with uh, clarity will then allow you to uh, understand what the fear is bringing. Because quite often, fear or anger or pain, they come to tell you that there's something wrong in your life and that you need to change it. Something like anger gives you the energy to change, you know, like fear gives you the energy to change things. And sadness is quite often the need to let go of something, but we we hold on to these dead branches in us which allow the the crows to come and settle and perch and, and make a life there, which we don't want. We want to want to be like a tree that's just constantly blooming and blossoming creating beautiful green leaves and branches and that's that's the kind of life you want you don't want to hold on to uh, things that are uh, dead within you you got to let them go I love that. That sounds beautiful. Hey, uh, Ferd, I can't believe we've gotten this far and we haven't even spoken about quirky cooking yet. I I mentioned the healthy chocolate before and it just reminded me because really, you know, when I want to find a healthy recipe for something that I'm craving or something that I want to make for someone else, you know, I was just thinking the the perfect example of this is my fiance Stephanie when she moved to Adelaide um, and she loves tomato sauce. And so I was like, well, okay, she wanted to put it on like everything. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to the store and buy like Heinz tomato sauce. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a different solution. And, and honestly, for pretty much any savory recipe, especially savory recipes, because I do like the Merrymaker Sisters for my sweet recipes, but especially savory recipes, when I want to find something, my go-to place is Quirky Cooking. And so, I found a recipe you guys had done, modified it just the tiniest little bit, and I love my tomato sauce. We make it like on an almost weekly basis, we make is this tomato from sauce. Is it from the cookbook? Or? It's from, I actually oh, got the, it from your blog, from the website, okay, I think I stole okay, it from, yeah. and, uh, yeah, yeah. and it was right. great. It's so good. It's so, Tell us a bit about joining Quirky Cooking, joining Joe on quirkycooking.com.au. Yeah, sure. So I started a couple of restaurants uh, to be able to reach people with the Whole Foods message, but uh, I couldn't keep it up. It, it wasn't really my vocation. So I, I uh, closed the restaurants down and I had to go back to IT for a while and uh, sort of work to provide for my family. And I was extremely miserable in that uh, way of living because I had so much to talk about and to give to people around uh, food and healing, but I didn't have any way to do it. And Joe had started her blog in 2008, two years after I started mine, and we became friends online. And she'd visit me whenever she came to Sydney. We'd go out for dinner or coffees and chat about health and the world of, you know, that we want to change and, and uh, by telling people about whole foods and um, we became really really close friends and I helped her through the difficult time when her son Isaac was going through um, all these panic attacks that he was having and he had severe OCD and um, we talk you know we we uh, helped each other as, through our own um, healing process and became really really close friends and then uh, while I was working in this uh, job that I hated um, and I was 
I just completely felt an identity crisis because I just couldn't express who I was. Uh, Joe and I went back to podcasting together on the wellness catch and that was giving me some kind of ability to talk about these things to people and I was really enjoying that outlet and then one day I said to Joe, when are you going to write your next cookbook? And she said, uh, I just don't have the time and I, the Thermomix who had published her first cookbook didn't have the, said they won't be able to get to it for years. And I said, well, why don't we self-publish it? We work on it together and I'll do it with you. And then you don't have to do all the work and I can look after it. And um, and then she's like, really? Would you do that? And, I'm like, and I said, would you do that? I was just, <laughs> you know, like, I didn't expect her to say yes, you know, uh, but she knows who I am and what I, what I'm capable of providing. And I know who she is and, and the kind of um, impact that she has had and continues to have on people's lives. And I was so inspired by her and I couldn't think of any better person to, you know, share my energy with. And she said, yes. So I went the next week and I quit my job and, um, I, plunged into the unknown with her. I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from or how I'm going to be able to pay rent or anything like that. So I, I just completely trusted that this is my path and this is what I was supposed to be doing with Joe. And I, we went and wrote this cookbook, which has so far sold 20,000 copies. Quirky Cooking is now a business that Joe and I are partners in. Um, she, When we wrote the cookbook and we started selling it, we didn't even write a contract about it. We didn't agree on it uh, except oh, verbally. Um, we sold Sold, um, I think 13,000 copies before we actually joined in a business and I completely trusted her to um, you know to give me my fair share and all that and I didn't ask for anything like concrete like how you would say in a how a lawyer would advise you to do something like that and we knew that this is not the path we were going to go down together that um, we built this business on trust and love and this is what it's been so now 20,000 copies as I said of the book have been sold almost close to 20,000 copies the blog attracts around 4.5 million unique hits a year um we have something like I don't know 55,000 subscribers to our newsletter um how many now 270,000 followers on Facebook so it's it's a business that is reaching families so every person that I told you about here is uh, most probably a mom because that's our main audience and they're looking after a family so you can multiply our figure by maybe four to yeah. see the actual reach you know of who, absolutely um, well I mean so, you guys have massively changed the food that I cook for my kids for example like you know yeah. I, from being just so bland to actually like cooking them some nicer stuff and, and yeah. so many of those recipes have come from you guys Thanks, man. Yeah, that's that's our aim. Is we we want to keep it simple. Like we don't want to go down the path. Like I talk uh, personally, like when I'm talking one on one and doing things like that, I'll talk about specifics like low carb fasting and that kind of stuff. But in our message, we keep it simple. We say to people, the best food is natural food. It's living food. It's food with a cellular structure. It has water content in it. It has a, a vital force. The vital force needs to be exchanged between the food that you eat and to your body. Otherwise, when you eat dead food, your body starts dying slowly. That's really the message. I don't think anyone can argue with that. I don't think anyone can say, no, this is just woo-woo or esoteric or the science doesn't back it up. It just makes so much sense at a human level. Any human being that you tell them that, they'll tell them like an apple is better than a dehydrated apple. It's better than a, an apple that has been you know sprayed with pesticide. It's better than the sugar that's been extracted from the apple. So we we know we know these things innately that you know 
uh, vital food is what we need. But we've forgotten that. So all we do is remind people of this. That's, that's, that's the entire thing. And then we tell them how to, how to do it at home and how to eat it and enjoy this food. And they start reaping the benefits with physical healing. And then all of a sudden, you have people who want to change their careers and uh, talk to people about this or start businesses where they make this kind of food and provide it to others. And they start supporting organics and uh, local farmers and that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of influence that we're having in the world now, which makes us wake up every day feeling so grateful to be able to facilitate this larger healing in, in our circle of influence. And it's a big circle of influence, and I still can't believe it. I pinch myself <laughs> every day. I'm so uh, grateful for Joe for inviting me to be part of that because I couldn't have done it on my own. I couldn't have reached these people on my own. It is incredible, Fouad, and you're an incredible guy, and it just comes across so well in this interview. We've gone way over time, but I don't care because it was totally <laughs> worth it. And uh, and look, I think just the message you're sharing and your your love and gratitude that you spread with that message is just beautiful. So thank you so much for coming and sharing with us, mate. Thanks, Brad. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate you having me on, man. And I look forward to the future where you and I hang out together in Adelaide on the 30th. So, yeah. that's going to be super cool, yeah. Absolutely, and, yeah. So, for people yeah. who want to come and hear Fouad speak, he is coming to do a talk in Adelaide on the 30th of January, which will be very shortly after this episode gets released. Um, you can obviously also find out more about him by heading to the Quirky Cooking website, quirkycooking.com.au. Um, you can find him on Facebook at Quirky Cooking, but also at Fouad Kassab Health, that's K A double S-A-B and, and actually Fuad F-O-U-A-D I should spell that too um, and on Instagram at the iFood blog so um, also make sure you check out the cookbook Life Changing Food as with uh, the last book it's just incredible full of the most amazing recipes beautiful pictures if that doesn't inspire you to get some healthy food <laughs> in your home you're doing something wrong so thank you so much mate it's been an absolute pleasure uh, Brett thank you so much man for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. Health IQ are not just an insurer. They're a life insurance agency. They take the customer through the journey from when they submit their interest to starting an application, going through the underwriting and to enforcing the policy as well. The policy is underwritten by one of their top partners who is an insurer. So if you're in the US, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo or mention the code paleo when you talk to your Health IQ agent. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.